what's really behind the thought some have of going back to their old life? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Some people want to go back, like, well, it's so hard to be a believer now that I want to go back to my past life. Your past life is way worse than your life today. I promise you. Isn't the devil such a liar? He goes, you know what? If you just went back to your past, things would be good. And he's so selective. And he only brings back memories of happy days and smiling days. And he doesn't bring back memories. Hey, go back to your past. Remember? Remember when you woke up in your own vomit? Yeah, go back there. No, I don't want to go back there. That was really bad. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for done for me. It's been well said, the good old days are the combination of a bad memory and a good imagination. Our enemy is often active in these nostalgic thoughts, so we must be on our guard. Well, today's abounding grace with Pastor Ed Taylor will certainly help. In Hebrews chapter 10, we're given a word of warning that there is no going back, for there's no other salvation except in Jesus. Here now with more on this critical truth is Pastor Ed. This isn't so much a warning against backsliding as it is a warning against turning your back on the finished work of Jesus Christ. For us today, that would mean adding to it. For us today, that would, be, that would mean that we aren't serious about our relationship. It would, it would mean that we don't invest in it, that we don't care, that we don't obey Jesus when he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It means that you're not trusting there's no sacrifice for anyone that doesn't, that, that, this is what verse 26 is really saying. There's no sacrifice for anyone that doesn't trust in the one sacrifice. <laughs> That's not, there's nothing else. And if there's nothing else, then you're going to find yourself like fearful. There's a certain fearful expectation, verse 27, of judgment, fiery indignation. For those that are separated from God and trust in works for their salvation are going to be rudely awakened. Not only that, he contrasts in verse 28, the old covenant, Moses' law, without mercy, two or three witnesses, with the new covenant. He contrasts the covenants saying, look, even in the old covenant, two or three witnesses brought judgment. Yet now in the new covenant, the only witness that matters is Jesus. But even Jesus, he met us, didn't he? Because when they came against him, he says, I'm a witness. My father's a witness. So there's two witnesses there, and you can include the person and work of the Holy Spirit. That's three witnesses that prove to you exactly what Jesus said. Although we don't need them, because we have the witness of the Spirit of God inside of us, of his resurrection. The warning for us is don't do it. Don't turn away. Don't add to the finished work of the cross. Don't walk away. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't minimize his work with your works, because your relationship with him is of utmost importance. And you know, a lot of pastors spend a lot of time, myself included, begging you to run to the Lord. Even today, the theme of our time of communion was let's go boldly. Let's go boldly. But I find at times I need to plead with you that you might taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not pleading with you to be a good Christian. I'm not pleading with you to be a good church member. I'm not pleading with you to be a good boy, a good girl. I'm pleading with you to get right with the Lord. That's where all of life is found in him. 
where true life, where your thirst for more is answered with living water that flows from within in you. I remember taking our, whenever we go to Israel, we go there on the teaching steps. And on the teaching steps there would be steps that Jesus would normally take to get into the temple area, where in John's gospel he would stand and say, is anyone thirst? Does anyone thirst? You keep doing this ritual with the water and you go through with the water and you go all the way down to the pool of Siloam and you come back and you go down, you come back. But who's really thirsty here? And you talk to anybody that's in a religious expression and they'll tell you how thirsty they are. Your thirst is not quenched by good works. Your thirst for righteousness and for the goodness of God is not quenched by following the law. You know what the law does? The law just awakens sin in your life and makes you more miserable. You know, you know how it is when you see a law, don't touch wet paint. What do you do? You're curious. And you probably wouldn't even cared about that bench unless you saw that sign, don't touch. Don't touch, really? What shouldn't I touch? And you start walking circles around it. You know, maybe I will, maybe I will. No, no, it says don't touch. But that sign awakened in you, what? A sinful desire because it's always in us. And your good works will not cover that in your life. God wants to deliver you by his finished work. He is calling you to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily traps you. He's saying lay down the alcohol, lay down the drugs, crucify that part. Don't dabble in it. Don't go there. Don't go to that relationship again. Don't run away. Don't turn your back. Your hope is found in running to the Lord, not away from the Lord. You go, well, I'll try to overcome it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and I'll do it little by little. But God wants to do it all at once if you trust him. All at once, in the moment. Don't go back to self-effort. Don't go back to religious activity. Don't rely upon your own resources. Don't try to earn God's favor. Accept, receive, and rely upon the finished sacrifice for your sins. And it's finished. Jesus died for your sins in the past. Jesus died for your sins in the present. And Jesus died for any future sin. So it's all consuming. His forgiveness is complete. God has forgiven you for the past. He forgives you right now. And he will forgive you. It's all encompassed in him. You cannot add one thing. Coming to Calvary Church doesn't make you any more forgiven than if you weren't here. <laughs> or if you went to the Baptist church down the street or, or the vineyard or any of the new church plants that are popping up in high schools around town. It's not a church. It's not a location. It's Jesus Christ and his love for you. That's it. Don't turn away from it. Don't try to add to it. It's finished. And by faith, you face God not on your own works, but by the work of Jesus in your life. You don't live a life, number one, where you trample God underfoot. You don't live a life where you take the blood of the covenant and cause it to be a common thing, like it's no big deal. You don't insult the spirit of grace, according to verse 29. When you add to the finished work of Jesus, these things happen in your life. And you have to expect consequences to come. Now, he gives encouragement as he closes the chapter. Notice verse 32. He says, I want you to remember. And many times that's a tool that God uses in our lives. Jesus did that with the church in Ephesus. He said, remember where you have fallen. You left your first love? Remember. So that's what, that's what the author is doing here, I believe, is Paul. He says, recall the former days, verse 32, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly, while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companion of those who were so treated. You had compassion on me, 
in my change, which by the way, just a side note, one of the reasons why I believe Paul is the author of Hebrews because this is a familiar phrase in Paul's letters. And so now he's telling you guys had compassion on me when my chains. He says, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Notice it doesn't say cast away your salvation. It doesn't say cast away your eternal soul. He says, don't throw away your confidence. When you add to the finished work of Jesus Christ, you are no longer confident in him. You're confident in yourself. And you know as well as I do, that will not last. It is gone out the window with your first failure. So don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 36, you have need of endurance. Mark that word, circle it. We'll get back to it in a second. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We're going to look at this in depth next time, but I, you need to recognize the just lives by faith, not works. Faith in what? The finished work of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's it. You live by faith in what God has done for you through his son Jesus. Verse 39. But we are not... And this is the key. We are not those who draw back to destruction because we are the ones that believe to the saving of the soul. You're either, you're either an unbeliever going toward destruction or you're a believer going towards as you have accepted by faith the saving of your soul. And reject those, would you please? Reject them stern, those that would take you to this passage of scripture and try to scare you into thinking that you might lose your salvation if you don't follow their religious system. Because that's what they do. Well, did you know? Did you know you could lose your... And, and well, how do I get out? Follow me. No, don't follow them. Follow Jesus. That's, this text is saying the exact opposite. Don't follow man. Don't follow a religious system. Follow the Lord. He'll lead and guide you. And if anyone comes to this passage of Scripture and says, you're going to lose your salvation, they have taken it out of... Say it with me. Taken it out of context. You'll never forget that word. Context is king. When you are listening to me teach a Bible study and you're testing all things by the word of God, test it by the context. You've got to know the context so you'll never understand the Bible. And there's a lot of great tools to help you understand the context, including a Bible study like this. Reject those that would take you this and try to lord over you. Nothing in this section of the Bible was ever intended to disturb or unsettle the minds of those who truly belong to Jesus. It's a warning. Warning signs should not trouble you. They should give you peace because a sign is telling you there's trouble up ahead and if you choose right now, you can avoid it. Warning signs shouldn't trouble us. So you're driving around the road and there's a big warning sign. Bridge is out in two miles. You don't pull the car over and go, oh my, I don't know what's gonna happen. In two miles, the bridge is out. No, the sign says, don't go that way. And so you choose, I don't think we should be going this way, honey. What do you think? Well, Google says it's fine. No, don't listen to Google. The sign says, don't go, the bridge is out. And so warning signs actually comfort us. I like warning signs. I think of those that work on CDOT and they work on the highways and how do we always have those signs? Give them a break and be careful because accidents happen. My son, a CHP officer, was in many, many accidents as a cop in his car because there was a need to be careful when there are flashing lights. 
You know, when you're not the one they're flashing the lights on, those flashing lights are telling you to be careful and move over so that they're safe. Those lights speak of safety to us, even if they are behind you. (laughs) That's a different Bible study altogether. (laughs) But they're meant to encourage us. So this passage is not intended to disturb you. And here's the thing. Actually, a couple things. Verse 36 is a very important passage because verse 36 says, here's your great need. Some of you came to church today with a big question on your mind. You tuned in on the radio with things swirling through your life right now, watching online in the comfort of your home with a nice cup of coffee and the fireplace on. I'm sure it's really nice there. And you have questions as well. And I believe for many of you, the answer is right. Um, Here's the answer. You have need of endurance. That's your need today. Circle that word endurance and right next to it, hupomone. That's the Greek word, H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. It is a powerful Bible word, hupomone. Translated here, endurance. In other places, it's translated perseverance. The idea behind the word is that you bear up under the load. And we all carry loads. We bear up under so that we can obey Jesus to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Times when there are burdens on us. There are those times when there are difficulties. There are those times when we're tempted to go backwards. We're tempted to add. We're tempted. And yet we have need of endurance. We have need of endurance because we, you know, for them, they ex- look at what they experienced and they got through it. He says, when he recall the former days, what he's asking them to recall is how God got them through those. Remember when you lost everything? Remember when it was hard? Remember when you had the reproaches and tribulations? It wasn't like that in temple worship. And that's why some people want to go back. They're like, well, it's so hard to be a believer now that I want to go back to my past life. Your past life is way worse than your life today. I promise you. Isn't the devil such a liar? He goes, you know what, if you just went back to your past, things would be good. And he's so selective. And he only brings back memories of happy days and smiling days. And, and he only brings, he doesn't bring back memories. Hey, go back to your past. Remember, remember when you woke up in your own vomit? Yeah, let's go back there. No, dude, I don't want to go back there. That was really bad. I was sharing my testimony recently in these men's conferences. And you may be familiar with this already, but I, it was so bad in the day when I was an unbeliever and in the party scene and with, it would be so bad. I would be, I would be such a bad person under the influence of whatever I was under the influence that I would literally wake up in the morning face down somewhere in my city that I got so, I got so bad that the dudes that were driving didn't even want to take me all the way home. They pushed me out of the car. I remember one in in particular, I was literally seven or eight houses from where I lived face down in a car wash And then I'd have to wake up that morning and start making phone calls before cell phones. So if I called and it was busy, I'd have to wait to call back. And I'd remember those calls. Hey, what did I do last night? I don't know. You need to ask Jack. Click. Hey, what did I do last night? Because I'm going to call Jack last if his name keeps coming up. Because I really don't want to know. Yeah, go back to those days, Ed. No, thank you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not going back. And I'm asking you not to go back either. It's not that good. It's bad. 
And so as new creations in Christ, or like the New Living Translation, the New Living Translation says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And here's the problem. You are still living the old life, and you're miserable, and it's destroying you, and it's harming you, and everybody that loves you, you need to choose through endurance, hupomone, you need to choose to live in the newness of life, moment by moment. That's a definition of abiding, drawing from his strength. You don't want to go back. But if you take a step back, if you take a step back, where's the next step going to go? Back and back. You've got to set your eyes toward the Lord, looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that set before him, he endured. You have great need for endurance. Jesus endured the cross. These guys lost everything. Most people that I'm talking to today can't say they lost everything. You may have lost some things for following Jesus, but not everything. The Hebrew believers lost their family, literally ostracized. Their family would say, you're dead to me. They, they lost their possessions. They lost their social status. They lost their careers. They lost, they lost everything that you could possibly, they lost everything for the sake of their faith in Jesus Christ. And I wonder if they were wanting some of those things back. Even just what it felt like to be a part of community. What it felt like to talk to your family. And Paul's saying here, don't do it. There's nothing back there for you. There's nothing back there in empty religion. And remember how God got you through it all. And today, with this temptation, you have need of endurance. But you know what we do? Instead of taking the endurance of God... We, have, we play another game with another Greek word, hypocrites. You guys know that better as playing the hypocrite. And you go, Ed, how could you possibly call me a hypocrite? Let me explain. One of the places hypocrisy is most seen is in a gathering like this, <laughs> where you come into church and, and you know, you just put a face on. You don't really want to deal with anyone. You don't really want to talk about anything. You just put a face on so that, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You're not doing great. Next time somebody asks you how you're doing, tell them, I'm doing horrible. What part of my life do you want to hear? You go, if I would never do that, then how will anyone ever pray for you? How will you ever let anyone into your life? How will you ever find yourself strong in the body of believers if you don't admit honestly? Remember what we did? Remember that passage for communion? where it said everything is naked and open before the one of whom we will give account. You know, nakedness wasn't always bad. Before sin, nakedness is what Adam and Eve lived in. It wasn't an issue. It spoke of vulnerability. It spoke of intimacy. It spoke of a life without hypercritical judgments. It was only after sin that God then began to cover those parts of the body that would bring shame to a person. And, it would try, and they, they even recognized that Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves. And so here we are covered today with clothing. But you know, some of you have covering on your faces. Some of you are not telling the truth about life. And it's not even really, really, I just think this is a word from the Lord for someone. It's not even you telling the truth to me. It's about you telling the truth to yourself. Because that's where true repentance comes, where you're honest with yourself, that this is where you are, and you are at the end of yourself crying out to the completed work of Jesus in your life once again. What do you need? You need endurance. You don't need hypocrisy. You need hupomone, to, to stand strong in the 
perseverance of God. Winston Churchill was used to bring great encouragement. And I love what he says here, and I'll quote him. He said, and I quote, Never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in, accept the convictions of honor and good sense, never give in. And that was his advice to the country in a time of great peril. And wouldn't you know it, last night after service, brother up on the prayer team comes up and he wants to show me something that fell out of his Bible. It was a bookmark. You know what the bookmark said? Winston Churchill, never, 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 never give up, end quote. Right in his Bible. You know who gave it to him? His mom. His mom. He was in a pretty serious accident not too many years ago and tempted with giving up. And it was the advice that a mom gives to her son. Hey, you're going through it? Don't give up. Don't give in. You're going to get through this. It's the advice of Apostle Paul to believers. Hey, don't give in. Remember the days that God got you through it. Remember, recall those days. You can make it through. Jesus, he is sufficient. The blood covers all of your sins. Takes You don't give in. It's the advice that I give to you. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't run away. You have need of endurance and God provides endurance. And it's the advice that God gives to us through his word. Don't give in. Don't give up. You have need of endurance. And so you can see, turn back to Hebrews 6 now. Let me show you one more thing and then we'll head out. That's the famous last words of a pastor. One more thing. And that just means there's probably 10 things still. But let me finish because I want you to see, you've got to understand this aspect. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11. Because Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 are passages that people love to argue about. They want to make a big deal about it. They don't want to, they just argue, argue, argue. And when you argue about something, you almost always miss the point. So check this out. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11, it says, And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That little nugget of full assurance of hope all the way to the end is hidden in a controversial passage. And the little nugget of staying strong and you, you have a need of endurance, endurance and hope are hidden in passages that people love to argue about. So if you're an arguer and you're a guy that loves or a gal that loves to argue and loves to fight about things, just ask yourself if you're missing the whole point altogether. Because when you dwell on the hope that God gives and his faithfulness and his goodness, when you dwell on his power to endure, you're just so caught up in the love of God that you're not going anywhere. You're not going back. You're, you're not adding. You're just enjoying the presence of God in your life. And we can be confident as we walk by faith that our great high priest will guide us and bring us all the way home. Pastor Ed Taylor encouraging us to endure in hope. Our great Savior will see us through all the way to glory. This is Abounding Grace. Glad you're with us. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now, if you haven't already, download the free app. Simply search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Looking for some good summertime reading for that vacation of yours? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style. 
by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. Now, he also modeled this through how he lived, and that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Not long ago, we created an e-store, which makes ordering resources like this super easy. You'll find it at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. And if you just want to make a donation to the ministry today, but you're not really interested in the pick of the month, you can donate online at aboundinggraceradio.com. We'd like to connect with you before the day is done. Say hello. Tell us what God is up to in your life when you visit aboundinggraceradio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage, and you can click on Connect With Us. Another way we can stay connected is through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Find the links to each on our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. And don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.